have you here this morning on this uh, beautiful Sunday, October 3rd, 2021. So good to see you here. If you're online watching, good to have you as well. This is our third week in this series on David. Now, as you know, uh, David takes up his life half of 1 Samuel, most of 2 Samuel. And so we will, uh, we'll be going through it a little bit of time and maybe taking breaks here and there. But the first five sermons are really dealing with kind of how God chooses David and anoints him. And then the second, the, the last half really of 1 Samuel is David on the run and fleeing and waiting and patient. And so we'll have some sermons on that for sure. Uh, but, but, you know, if you look at the most famous Bible stories in uh, really the world, or if you were just ask people to, to give me a, a Bible study, a story, a story in the Bible, especially if you just saw someone on the street, they, they would probably give you, outside the stories of Jesus, they would probably give you a handful of uh, Bible stories. They might say, well, Noah's Ark. Maybe they've heard of Noah's Ark. Or Daniel in the lion's den. Or they may know about Jonah and the whale. Or uh, Jonah and the fish, really, is what it says. And they might know about David and Goliath. You might hear that. So this is one of the more famous, well-known Bible stories, even someone maybe who's never been to church might understand that David killed Goliath, Goliath with a stone and a sling. So today we're looking at this story, and, and I want us to look at it through the lens by which it was originally written, and that is that God provides the victory here in this story, God working through David. And what can we gather through that as we look at it? And we're going to find ourselves in battles in our life, spiritual battles, and we need to understand that God is fighting with us, fighting for us. He's the one that brings the victories. We're going to see through David's life um, how we can uh, see what we would need to see, how he worked in his and how he can work in ours in maybe a similar fashion. We're going through the whole chapter today. It's a little lengthy, so we're just going to go ahead and pray, and then we'll get started. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day you've given us. Lord, I thank you for your word and just the power it has, Lord, to, uh, to convict us, the power it has to reveal truth, the power it has to encourage us, to, to just really let us see a picture of your love for us, not only in the life of Jesus, but in the Old Testament as we see all these stories that point toward Jesus being the Savior, this one being one of them. Father, we thank you that you've given us your enduring word that will never fade, that will never end. So we thank you so much for that, Father. And as we look at this passage today, that we see it for what we need to see it for. Not just a children's story, not just a miracle story, but a story where you are working in and through the lives of people to accomplish your will, to bring glory to your name, to bring fame to your name, Lord. So, Father, as we look at this passage, I pray that, uh, that your words uh, will, will come through me today, that you'll speak through me, that you'll fill me with your spirit today, that the power comes through you. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. I want you to know today at least four things about God's role in our battles that we see through the life of David as we're going to see this. And the first thing is I want you to see about the life of David in this situation, that God protects David before he asks him to serve his people. God's protecting David before he ever serves God's people. Verse 1, now the Philistines gathered their armies for battle, 
And they were gathered at Sokah, which belongs to Judah, and encamped between Sokah and Azekah in Ephesdamon. And Saul and the men of Israel gathered and encamped in the valley of Elah and drew up in line of battle against the Philistines. So Samuel's writing to, to people who would know the area of the land. They knew where these places were, given specific details. And so the Philistines were Canaanites who were constantly at war with Israel. Now this is at least the second battle that Saul had had with the Philistines. You may recall a couple weeks ago we looked at this, that he had previously defeated the Philistines. It was his first major recorded military victory of King Saul's reign. So he was happy and excited and praising the Lord. But the Philistines rebounded. They came back. They gained ground on them. And Saul made the mistake of offering a sacrifice himself. He couldn't find Samuel. He couldn't find a priest and so he offered a sacrifice himself, which was not his role as the king. And that act is what caused God to remove himself from Saul and then to anoint David as king. And we saw that beforehand. But even though God has rejected Saul as king, he's still allowing Saul to rule. David is not quite ready to be a king. And this is in a way that God's protecting David. He's not just throwing David into this reign throwing him to, to the, being the kingdom, uh, the king of Israel. David is not quite ready for that. God's protecting David. And so one thing we need to understand is when we are serving God, when we, we, and, and every Christian is called to serve him in some capacity, whether it's through his kingdom and his kingdom and his church or, or however, when we're serving God, there's many times where God is not going to put us somewhere, maybe in some place that he'll want us to serve, but not quite yet because he is protecting us because it's not our time, it's not God's time. And we see him doing this even with David. He's already been anointed king, but he's not king yet. And there's a reason for that. Verse 3 says, The Philistines, they, they stood on the mountain on the one side, and Israel stood on the mountain on the other side, and there was a valley between them. So this battle scene, it shows the Israelites on one side of the valley and the Philistines on another and on this mountain. And down the, in their valley is where they're kind of like looking into both want the valley. It is a major trade route passage, but neither side rightly is willing to give up the strategic advantage in war of the high ground. You can read all types of war stories, whether it's Civil War or World War II, where, where people lost major battles because they didn't have the high ground. They were having to, to literally go up a mountain or there's a fence in the way or something like that. So neither one were willing to go into the valley and then have to go up the hill to fight each other. So they're in a stalemate. It's a standoff. Verse 4. So during this standoff, this stalemate, there came out from the camp of the Philistines a champion. He's undefeated. He's a champion. Named Goliath of Gath, whose height was six cubits and a span. So go ahead and break out your cubit calculator. And... A cubit was the distance from the elbow to the tip of the middle finger on average, about 18 inches on average. Uh, a span was the distance between a fully extended thumb and the little finger. So this is how we say go Cox in USC, right? But that's the go Cox sign. But that's really, that's, that's a span, which is about eight inches on average. So Goliath, by that math, was nine and a half feet tall. That's what you would call a giant. Right, a giant, and so that's that's pretty tall. The closest person I've ever seen up close, the tallest person 
I've ever seen up close was about 7'3", and he was tall, you know. And uh, I've seen some basketball players up close. And one time I had a backstage kind of thing at a, at a Charlotte, it wasn't the Hornets, it was the Bobcats then, game. And I had a pastor's kind of pass back there. And, and these guys are 6'9", and 6'10". They're all walking around, and I thought I was in the land of the Giants, you know. Uh, it's really odd when you see him up close. But, but here's Goliath at nine and a half feet tall. Verse 8. He stood and shouted to the ranks of Israel, Why have you come out to draw up for battle? Am I not a Philistine? Are you not servants of Saul? Choose a man for yourselves and let him come down to me. And he gives them a challenge, gives them a deal. Verse 9, if he's able to fight with me and kill me, then we will be your servants. But if I prevail against him and kill him, and you shall be our servants and serve us. This would be like me going to a second grade class and saying, all right, who's going to fight me? <laughs> I mean, very literally, like, give me your best, right? Verse 10, and the Philistines said, I defy the ranks of Israel this day. Give me a man that we may fight together. And when Saul and all Israel heard these words of the Philistines, they were dismayed and greatly afraid because the answer is no one's going to be able to beat this man. No one's going to be, we don't have anybody in Israel like this. We are not going to win. So again, at this point, David's not around. He's home doing his job. God's protecting him. He's leaving them there. And, and, and God's even protecting the Israelites. The Israelites are not rushing out to war. They're not getting into this battle. They're each on each side. They're not going into the valley to fight. So God's kind of behind this scene right now. There's, there's a stalemate, but God's still in that. You know, the Christian life is one where we will always, from time to time, throughout our life, face different spiritual battles. Maybe it's a spouse who's not a Christian or a family member who's not following Christ. That's a spiritual battle you know you can have a spiritual battle at your job that can certainly happen that could be a spiritual battle you can have them just in your family and just wherever you go in life and in all of these examples have you ever thought that maybe God could be protecting you from a future outcome that you're just not ready yet or you don't that it's not going to be good for you You've probably all been there before where you uh, are running late or couldn't find your keys or were delayed or detoured in some way and and uh, uh, you were detoured and, and, and you, you couldn't get to where you wanted to go. And then maybe you went down that road and then you saw and looked and you realized there was a car wreck just a few minutes before you came. Have you ever had that before? And you, and you thought, maybe, maybe the Lord protected me in some way. It happened the other day. I couldn't get this app to work, this one restaurant, and I couldn't get it to work. And then it like took my money and then it put it on some kind of random card, that I, that gift card and all this kind of stuff. And I, Emily and I spent 15 minutes trying to get this thing to work, couldn't get it to work. And I finally got frustrated, and I said, fine, I'm just going to go and go to the drive-thru, right, you know? And I went to go to the drive-thru, and, and right when I get close to the place, there's ambulances and, and everything right here. I'm like, well, you know, maybe God was kind of not, you know, protecting me. Or you, just, you, have, you wonder, maybe there's a reason for things sometimes, right? You couldn't even get to the place, right, because of this situation that happened. God's reigning over our setting in life. And in many ways, this should bring you comfort, God doesn't wish that you face trouble. You will. But many times God's protecting us from things that we're not ready for, we don't need. And so we see here God protecting David and even the Israelites in this stalemate. Secondly, 
Not only is he protecting us, God is preparing us. We see him here preparing David to serve his people. God's called you to something. He's going to prepare you for it. Look at verse 12. Now David was the son of an Ephratite of Bethlehem and Judah named Jesse, who had eight sons. And in the days of Saul, the man was already old and advanced in years. The three oldest sons of Jesse had followed Saul to the battle, and the names of his three sons who went to the battle were Eliab, the firstborn, and next to him, Abinadab, and the third, Shammah. So he's got eight sons. I understand, I, I, I understand what it means when they say that they're old, because I was thinking about how Jackson, when he's 15, you know, when he, when he is 40, what age I'll be, and then my two-year-old, when he's 40, what age I'll be. It's a big difference, right? And so this is kind of the deal with David. He's younger, but his father is now older. Now, we're introduced into this family in the preceding chapter when, when God secretly anointed David as the king to surpass Saul. So we've already been a little introduced to this. It says in verse 14, David was the youngest. The three eldest followed Saul. But David went back and forth from Saul to feed his father's sheep at Bethlehem. Now, the previous passage explains, we, we learned last week, how David came into Saul's service. Uh, how Saul was a tormented man, and David came into his service, and he would play music to help ease Saul's worries. And it says here that David went back and forth from Saul and to, to feed his father's sheep at Bethlehem. So when, when Saul didn't need him, David would go back home and, and, and be his shepherd. Now, it tells us eventually that he became his armor bearer, but there was some time where that took place. There was time in between before he fully trusted him to bear his armor, and this event here. So this event takes some place during that time as he was learning Saul and gaining his trust. So perhaps this occurred before Saul came to trust David enough. We don't know the time frame, but in any event, David wasn't needed because Saul was out at war. So David was back home being a shepherd. Verse 16. And for 40 days the Philistines came forward and took his stand, or the Philistine did, Goliath, morning and evening. For over a month, 40 days, Goliath would come out there and issue his challenge. And every day, it was like crickets in the Israelite camp. Nobody said a word. They grumbled. Nobody did anything. Now, the number 40 in the Bible is often synonymous for a time of testing, a time of trial. When the Bible uses numbers, it's not always uh, there's a reason behind the numbers it uses. It, it, many times there are literal time frames, and God does this for a reason. And the number 40 is synonymous with a time of testing or a trial. Uh, Goliath's challenge was a test. You think of the number 40 in the Bible. Israelites wandered around the desert for 40 years. Jesus was tempted for 40 days in the wilderness. It rained for 40 days and 40 nights in the time of Noah. So we see that this was a test to Israel, Goliath was. Are they going to believe God? Are they going to trust God? Are they going to trust in their own selves? Because there's no way they can beat Goliath. There's no way one man can beat Goliath. So it's a test to Israel. It's a test to God's people. It's a test to Saul's leadership, even as a king. And we're going to see it was a test to try David's preparedness and ability to trust in God. And maybe you find your own self in a, in a period of 40 right now. Might not be 40 days, but it's, it's a time period that feels like a test to you. 
It feels like a trial. God's wanting you to trust him today, whatever that test might be for you. Verse 17, and Jesse said to David, his son, take for your brothers an ephah of this parched grain and these 10 loaves and carry them quickly to the camp to your brothers and take these 10 cheeses to the commander of their thousand. See if your brothers are well and bring some token from them. Now the gift of cheese to the commander was really to ensure that his brothers would get the portion that they're trying to give him. And this would just be a little, uh, a little 15 mile walk for David. That's nothing. You probably did that the other day, didn't you? Just a 15 mile walk. It's like going from here to Somerville, right down the road. And uh, David gets there, brings what he needs, and he gets there just in time to see this challenge take place. It took place every day. Verse 19. Now Saul and they and all the men of Israel were in the valley of Elah, fighting with the Philistines. And David rose early in the morning and left the sheep with the keeper, took the provisions and went as Jesse had commanded him. And he came to the encampment as the host was going out to the battle line, shouting the war cry. And Israel and the Philistines drew up for battle army against army. And David left the things in charge of the keeper of the baggage and ran to the ranks and went and greeted his brothers. Now he wasn't supposed to do that. He was not necessarily sinning in a way, but he was supposed to drop them off with this commander and then leave and he hears the war cry so he kind of drops off and he runs up personally to see his brothers verse 23 and as he talked with them he sees behold this champion the Philistine of Gath Goliath came out of the ranks of the Philistine and spoke the same words as before and David heard it can you imagine hearing that for the first time David had been prepared for this moment. A lot of his life, God had been preparing him to serve God in this capacity. When God eventually calls you to serve his people, he has been preparing you for that day, whatever that day is throughout your life. Maybe it's preaching, maybe it's teaching a class, maybe it's serving in the nursery, maybe it's greeting as people come in, maybe it's children's ministry, maybe it is cooking. And we had a funeral uh, Monday, last Monday. We have one today as well. We have a ministry here that cooks. Uh, people cook for the families, and I get the benefit the beneficiary of being able to eat it every time. And it's an incredible ministry, incredible food. And God's been preparing those people for years to do that ministry. They're able to perform it when God does it. So whatever it is that God has called you to do, trust that God's preparing you every step of the way. And here was David on the precipice of what God's getting ready to do in his life for God's glory, not for David's glory, for God's glory, and he was prepared. So we see God protecting people when we are called to do it. We see God preparing. And number three, God positions David to serve God's people. Positions him. David hears what's been heard for 40 days. One day, David's father gives him this errand and takes some food out. David, a shepherd, leaves his sheep, goes out to the battlefield to deliver the meal. He sees this and he hears Goliath. And verse 24 says, all the men of Israel, when they saw the man, they fled from him and they were just afraid. And the men of Israel said, have you seen this man who's come up? Surely he has come up to defy Israel, and the king will enrich the man who kills him with great riches and will 
Give him his daughter and make his father's house free in Israel. So David hears this promise. Again, David uh, knew a little bit about Saul. He, maybe he'd seen his daughter before. He, he hears this, this challenge that whoever does it right, will get this. Sometimes you have to sweeten the pot in leadership a little bit. This is what Saul's doing. No one's doing anything. No one's having the courage. I read an article the other day that in West Virginia, they were, uh, if you got the vaccine in West Virginia, they were putting your name in a lottery for, to win a, a new uh, rifle. So, you know, sometimes you just got to sweeten the pot. This is what Saul's doing. Hey, if someone has the courage to do this and successful, he gets my daughter, he gets riches. So maybe some men who were maybe not courageous are thinking, well, maybe I should think about this. So this is how it was getting. It was getting desperate. Saul was willing to give his daughter away to the man that would do it. Verse 26. And David said to the men who stood by him, what shall be done to the man who kills this Philistine and takes away their approach from Israel. For who is this uncircumcised uh, Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? And the people told him what would happen. And, and he said, so shall it be done to the man who kills him. Verse 31. And the words that David spoke were heard. They repeated them before Saul, and he sent for him. And David said to Saul, let, not, let no man's heart fail because of him. Your servant will go and fight with this Philistine and Saul tells him what we expect. He says, you're not able to go. You're a boy. You can't go against this Philistine and fight with him. You are but a youth. And he has been a man of war from his youth. Now David's probably a teenager, maybe late teens, maybe early 20s, but he's still considered young. Because you, you, you can't do this. David says, let me, let me tell you about my experience. Let me tell you about my preparedness. Verse 34 says, your servant used to keep sheep for his father. And when there came a lion or a bear and took a lamb from the flock, I went after him and I struck him and delivered it out of his mouth. And if he arose against me, I called him by his beard and struck him. He said, listen, some, every now and then a bear would come and take a lamb. A lion would come and I wouldn't just let him take it off. I'd go after him. And I would get that sheep back. I'd bring that lamb back because those are God's sheep. Amen. I'm not letting the lion take that. And if they attacked me, I'd grab the lion by his beard and I'd wrestle until he was dead and I killed him. That's how God prepares someone to defeat a giant. Lions, bears, oh my. It's a horrible joke, but anyway. He says in verse 36, your servant has struck down both lions and bears and this uncircumcised Philistine should be like one of them for he has defied the armies of the living God. This is God's name on the line, God's glory on the line. And David says, the Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and from the paw of the bear will deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. David's not saying that I have it all worked out. He's saying I've been prepared for this. And God is going to do this. God is going to do this. And Saul said to David, go, we'll be praying for you. <laughs> go, Lord be with you. Verse 38, we get this humorous thing where he, he tries to clothe David with his armor. He put a helmet of bronze on his head and clothed him with a coat of mail. And David put his sword over his armor and he tried to go and he and, but he couldn't do it. And David said to Saul, I cannot go with these. I have not tested them. So David put them off. In verse 40, so David went to his tools that God had allowed him to use up until this time. He took a staff 
and he chose five smooth stones from the brook and put them in his shepherd's pouch. So he already had everything he needed. He already had a pouch because he was a shepherd. And these stones about the size of a man's fist. And he put the sling in his hand and he approached the Philistine. You know, one of the things I didn't like about athletics when I played sports growing up and everything was practice. I hated practice because it's not fun. You do the same repetitive drills all the time, and then you play, you practice against your teammates, which is always a little awkward, and you're always doing that. I didn't like it, but if a good coach would do, they would make practice hard so when you got into the game, you wasn't as difficult as the practice. Let me tell you what, if you fought, fought off lions, you've killed bears, a giant of a man is not going to intimidate you. I would much rather fight a giant than a bear or a lion, amen? Think about it. So he's like, this is just a person. Yeah, he's big. I've killed lions. I've killed bears. God has positioned David through his unique background, it's just being a shepherd for the specific situation, and he positioned David to save his people at this time. David was the person that God had chosen. And number four, we're going to see that God then performs through David in serving his people. Again, this isn't David. It is David, but it's not. It's God working through him. Look at verse 40. Then he took his staff in his hand and he chose five smooth stones from the brook. I'm not real sure why he had his staff. Staff didn't come into play. It's a shepherd's staff. I guess he was comfortable with the staff, so he had it. Five smooth stones from the brook. He put them in his shepherd's pouch. His sling was in his hand, and he approached the Philistine. Imagine this. To everybody but David, it seems odd. But David was prepared. Verse 41, And the Philistine moved forward and came near to David, and his shield bearer in front of him. And when the Philistine looked and saw David, he disdained him. He thought, this is who you're going to send, all these warriors, you're sending this young boy with a, with a stick and a pouch? Verse 43, said, am I a dog that you come at me with sticks? And the Philistine cursed David by his gods. Verse 44, the Philistine said to David, come to me. And he taunts him. He says, I'll give your flesh to the birds of the air and to the beasts of the field. And then David talks back. He says, you come to me with a sword, and you have a spear and a javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts. Much more powerful than your weapons, he says. The, the God of the armies of Israel whom you have defied, that's who I'm coming with. This is a confidence, not necessarily in David, but a confidence in his God. Oh, that we would have confidence in our God the way David did. Verse 46, he says, This day the Lord will deliver you into my hand, and I will strike you down and cut off your head. He's telling him what he's going to do. And he did it. Because he had the confidence of God. And I will give the dead bodies of the hosts of the Philistines this day to the birds of the air and to the wild beasts of the earth. And I'll do that. Why? So that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel. Even in the battle, even in this 
crazy battle situation where people would be dying, David is bringing glory to God's name. He's preaching the gospel. He's evangelizing on the battlefield. Verse 47, that all this assembly may know that the Lord saves, not with sword and spear, for the battle is the Lord's, and he will give you into our hand. See, this is Israel. This is God's people. David said God's people are going to be victorious if we trust him. Verse 48. And when the Philistine arose and came and, and drew near to meet David, David ran quickly toward the battle line to meet the Philistine. And David put his hand in his bag and, and he took out a stone and he slung it struck the Philistine on his forehead and the stone sank into his forehead and he fell face down onto the ground. So David prevailed over the Philistine with a sling and with a stone and he struck the Philistine and killed him. There was no sword in the hand of David. Then David ran and stood over the Philistine, took Goliath's own sword and drew it out of its sheath and killed him and cut off his head with it. We don't usually tell the kids that in Sunday school. And when the Philistines saw that their champion was dead, they fled. And the men of Israel and Judah rose with a shout. Can you imagine the cheer? We've all been in exciting football games before, but can you imagine the cheer when this guy gets knocked down, 40 days of stalemate, God's people win, Goliath is dead, and there's David with Goliath's sword and a shout. God's people Saul, that God had delivered them. And they pursued the Philistines as far as Gath and the gates of Ekron. And the wounded Philistines fell, verse 53. And the people of Israel came back from chasing the Philistines. And they plundered their camp. And David took the head of the Philistine and brought it to Jerusalem. And he put his armor in his tent. Those famous stories, the history of the world, David carried his nation to victory. But God was behind their performance. God worked through David. And we see David here as a type of Jesus, as a type of Savior. Because Jesus Christ also did a miracle. We had a, a giant of sin in our life leading us to death. Jesus came and he lived and he died and we buried him. He was resurrected and he rose from the grave and his resurrection was miraculous. And like the Israelite soldiers who were helpless, hoping for a savior, God provided us a warrior savior in Jesus. Jesus took his stones. With one shot, he killed sin and the grave. And just like David, the picture of Jesus liberated the Israelites and brought God glory, Jesus' victory over the grave delivers all who call upon his name. Today, what battle are you in today? You have a God that has delivered his people from far worse than what you're going through. And God wants you to trust him Today, as he protects you, as he prepares you, as he performs through you, and he positions you to do what he's called you to do. Heavenly Father, as we close our time together today, we thank you for the story you've given us. 
There's a reason, Lord, that this is one of the stories that is so famous in the world. It's not just that there's a young boy that killed a, a, a giant. It's the words that David said. It's the why he did it. Doing it for the honor of his God. Lord, that we would have the faith in you and the love for you that David did. Lord, you've all called us, you've called us all to, to serve you in some capacity. We thank you for protecting us from things you haven't called us to. We thank you for preparing for us. We thank you for positioning us. And Lord, when we do your service, we thank you for performing for us. Lord, if there's one in here today that's never placed their faith in Jesus, that they would do so today, that they would turn from their sins and place their faith in him. You would save them. And Father, whatever battle those of us in here may be going through today, let us know that we can trust you. Yes, we live in a, in, a, in, a, in a world of sin, and yes, there's going to be death, and there's going to be things that seem like we can't win, and sometimes things will defeat us. But because of Jesus, the ultimate victory is ours. We thank you for that, Lord. But we love you. We give this time to you, and we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. You